very young pastor, and he was giving a sermon to his congregation about the spiritually lazy. And, and he said something like this. Are you spiritually lazy? Well, do you read your Bibles in the morning? No. You know why? Because you're so tired. Because last night you were up watching Netflix. And so, you're, oh, I should have read my Bible this morning. I didn't. Don't worry, I'll get to it at night. Then what happens at night? You watch Netflix. Spiritually lazy. You know what that is? That is a willpower spirituality. Make better choices. Right? Don't watch Netflix. You need truth. You need the Bible. You need better choices. Bible over Netflix. And you need to wake up earlier. That is not the spirituality of the New Testament writers. It's not the spirituality of Jesus. It's actually the spirituality of the pilgrims. It's, called, it's, a, it's a philosophy called voluntarism. That we need to appeal to our wills. The pilgrims are incredibly voluntaristic. Just try harder. The result of that is not connection. The result of that is not joy. The result of it is either pride in a best case scenario. I did it. You didn't. Or exhaustion. God, what more do you want from me? I'm trying and it's never enough. In our passage this morning, Jesus runs into the buzzsaw of a willpower spirituality. Just poof, runs right into it. He encounters people who were working really hard to keep Sabbath. On Saturday, we don't work. Jesus, kind of just like, you know, a bull in a china shop, just just heals somebody on the Sabbath. And the willpower people are like, are you kidding me, bro? What are you doing? We don't do that. We work really hard to not work. And you just come in here doing whatever you want. And Jesus gives his first sermon in the Gospel of John. It's his keynote address. His very first talk. And he gives it from a place that is so foreign to the willpower spirituality. So foreign. He's, on a, he's just vibing somewhere else. Like, it's just like, doesn't make sense. Think about it. If Jesus had a, if he had a never enough attitude, this would be the time for it to just show. John 1. John's already told us earlier in the gospel that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Think about this. Jesus has just healed somebody on the Sabbath. A guy who was sick 38 years. Jesus heals him. And the religious leaders are like, shouldn't have done that. If Jesus had a never enough spirituality, this would be the time for it to show. Are you kidding me? You're never going to be happy. I just healed a guy. It's never enough for you. That's not what he does, though. Because he doesn't have that spirituality. That's the pilgrims. This is 1,600 years later. Jesus is like, hey, I don't flow out of a never enough mindset. I'm thinking in a different world. I'm in an always loved world. And in doing that, it's, it's really upsetting. He's saying to the religious leaders, you have missed the boat. Willpower is not getting you what you think it's going to get you. It's not creating connection. You actually are disconnected from God. 
It's an invitation for us. Are we willing to leave that which no longer serves? Or are we going to be like my family member with dogs? Yeah, you know, last year was a pretty bad year spiritually, but I'm going to do exactly the same thing this year, but with more effort. I'm going to make it past February in my Bible reading plan. And then I will experience joy and connection and meaning. Or we can get off the treadmill. And Jesus is saying, it's not about never enough. It's about always loved. He shares with us the relationship he has with God the Father. And it's a relationship that's based on attachment love. That God and Jesus are so thoroughly connected. And there's love and there's joy. And out of that just spills everything Jesus does. It's a totally new way of being. I think the invitation, Jim Wilder says it best. I think this is the invitation for us today. Until we restore our loving attachments to God and each other, we are wasting our time doing ministry, church, or anything else for that matter. That's a big check that I'm writing. We are going to put all our eggs in a different basket. Attachment love not willpower. That's the invitation this morning. Are we going to step into love or are we just going to stay on this treadmill thinking we'll get different results? If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Jesus' first sermon, the Gospel of John. John chapter 5, starting in verse 16. John chapter 5, starting in verse 16. From never enough to always loved, can we really make that transition? This is John chapter 5, starting verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath... But he was even calling himself, he was even calling God his father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. And this is where the sermon starts. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. So that you will be amazed. Verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Four. As the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. 
And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. Let's ask for God's help. Lord, it takes courage to leave familiarity. Willpower does get us results. But God, we want to go where your son is. We want to experience this attachment love, this always love that helps us navigate life knowing we're loved. Ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Jesus, in this sermon, gives four reasons, four reasons why he's not operating on the same plane they are. They've come at him with willpower, and he's like, hey, I'm doing something different here. And these four reasons are an invitation for us. Jesus is saying, it's not how I see the world, that's not how I operate. I want to show you how I see the world, how I operate. So you can experience real growth, real change, real transformation. Like, please don't hear me say, we are, I do not like voluntarism. What we talked about, this willpower, spirituality, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, American sermons have been structured through the lens of voluntarism. This is way more info than you're asking for. But we give you truth. We tell you what the text says. Then we give you better choices. Application. And now, you should have the willpower to go do it. That's how we, I was taught to preach. It's like, just dump them with the truth. Give them better choices to make. And then it's up to them to really just go do it. And so for a lot of us, when I'm saying, like, hey, let's move away from this, like, willpower, this trying, it can feel scary. Like, well, what are you inviting me into? Like, are you inviting me into this just, like, kind of, like, anything goes, we love each other, woohoo, like, kind of spirituality? The fruit that willpower spirituality is after is the same fruit that a spirituality shaped by love is after. Connection and meaning. I want to know that I know God. I want to feel his love. I want to live in his presence. That's the same. How we get there is radically different. One says, I just got to try harder. The other says, that won't get you anywhere. It's relational. Religion exhausts, willpower kills, relationship is rocket fuel. You'll see way more fruit if you surrender to love. I mean, just think about this in a romantic relationship. Think about you're on the first date with someone. You're like, us, we're going to love each other. How do I know that? Because every Tuesday at five, I'm going to call you. I don't even care how I feel. I'm just going to call you, baby, and I'm going to tell you that I love you. You'd be like, okay. Have a good day. I'm getting off of Christian Mingle. This is crazy. Like, that's nuts, right? Is that a problem? Is that an effort problem? No. That person's very serious. They're putting a lot of effort into it. Does it create connection? Some of you are like, oh, that's what's wrong with my marriage. 
See, we know this intuitively, but then when it comes to our relationship with God, we're like, well, what does God want? He wants me to be that guy. I'm going to work super hard, God. I'm going to do all these things I don't like. That is fueling a deconstruction. Because after a while, when our willpower gives out, you've got nowhere else to go. You know, I don't think this works. I mean, I have done more than the average bear. And I am not experiencing joy. I don't think this works. Jesus is giving us four invitations into something better. This attachment, love, and connection. First thing, the first way we know it's different, Jesus says it's the Father's attachment to Jesus fuels the work they do. This is verse 19. That attachment love is really what's behind everything God the Father and God the Son are doing. Their love for each other. Listen again to verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. This is the first thing he says to them. Truly, amen, amen. You can definitely bank on this. This is true. The Son can do nothing by himself. There's not independence here. There's connection, completeness. They're together. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Hear that attachment, love, that care, that connection, that completeness? He's saying this. This is why we do what we do. Jews then and Jews today believe that no one should work on the Sabbath. And I actually think there's a ton of wisdom and we practice Sabbath around here. There's a ton of wisdom in that. It's beautiful. You get more done in six days with one day off than you do in seven days with your foot on the gas. Really believe that. But Jews then and Jews today also believe that God doesn't rest on the Sabbath. Just think about it for like 30 seconds. People die on Saturday and they go to stand before God and he's like, Ugh. Can you come back tomorrow? Like, you can't die today. We can't get this sorted out, all right? I, it's my day off. All right, everybody needs a day off. Can you respect my day off? You know, the planets keep spinning. God's holding the universe together. God is working on the Sabbath. That's why when Jesus says, I'm working because I'm connected to my Father, that's why they get so mad. They're like, who do you think you are? You know who he's saying? I'm capital G-O-D. Now you get why they want to kill him. He's saying he has such a deep and connected relationship to God. They don't just love each other. They are the same essence. He is God the Son. Christians worship Jesus because he's God. That's what he was claiming, and that's why they went to kill him. They're like, okay, we first didn't like you because you're just poking holes in our willpower. Now you're, gone, you're done gone too far, bro. Who do you think you are? He's like, I'm deeply connected to the Father. And it's like, what? Why is he telling them this? Is he trying to just upset them? Is he trying to just rock their boat? No, he's inviting them. I have authority here. The God of the Old Testament? Me. And I'm saying, this is okay. Will you leave that which no longer serves you? He's giving them permission to jump off the treadmill. He's saying, I, I can do this. I'm connected to the Father. Everything God does, I do. We're so, we're so attached. God has glued himself to me. We're one. We're together. And I'm saying this is okay. He goes on to say that in the passage we're going to look at next week. Like, you thought you were honoring Moses, but you missed him. He starts with God, though. He's like, hey, if you want to honor God, here I am. It's me. And he's saying, will you leave that which no longer serves you? 
See, so many of us think we deeply believe that God will just be honored by our effort. I tried really hard, but somehow he's just going to be like, well, you totally missed the mark, but A for effort. But what Jesus is saying is like, it's not about effort. It's not about, there are people, there are genuine and sincere people who are trying, like you, religious leaders, and they're missing the boat because it's about love and connection. Oh, that's so frustrating if you really have been putting in the work. I have a high degree of grace for what we might call legalistic, pharisaical, self-righteous people because I am their leader. I went through like rebellious phases in high school, but not really. You know, I was like around danger and bad things, but I, you know, I wasn't really dangerous and bad. And then I watch people's lives turn out great and mine's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, are you kidding? I obeyed. I did this. I should be blessed. You know who I sound like? The older brother from the story of the parable of the lost son. I was with you this whole time. That's frustrating. We get that. You know what the antidote, though, that Jesus is offering to us older brothers, people who tried really hard? Love. Hey, yeah, you did try really hard. It's frustrating. Come on in, though. The water's great. doesn't matter how you got here. The invitation is to be loved, to get off the train of never enough. I mean, it re- the effort, the willpower, it's not going to create connection. It creates distance. The willpower, the effort, it doesn't create joy. It creates scarcity. There's always more to be done. There's always something I can do. And Jesus is saying this, that's not how I operate. And will you leave that which no longer serves you? The second point Jesus makes in his sermon about the attachment love. The father's love holds nothing back from Jesus. Look at verse 20. The father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so Jesus gives life to those whom he pleases. Here's what he's saying. All the important things in life, all of them, from life to death, right, and everything in between. We got life on one side, we got death on the other side. Those are really important And everything in between that, Jesus is saying, hey, God has entrusted me to oversee that whole process. I do the work God does. He's saying, everything flows out of my relationship from the Father. I was watching a video this week of a guitar player who took the saddle off of his guitar and put a piece of rubber on it. Super cool, right? Because they're trying to produce the sound Taylor Swift got on the Evermore album, okay? Not that lame. And so this guitar player is like doing all this like tinkering and work and soldering in his, in his um, shed, I guess. And he's doing all this work. And there was a point in the video where I just got really emotional. He's doing this and his son peeks over his head and is watching. And it's like, man, like that is a foreign experience to us. Like we don't go to work with our parents. It's not like, hey, I want you to see what I do. We have these lives that are just like siloed off. Right? Where, where did mom and dad go? Don't worry about it. There's food in the fridge. None of your business. God's the type of father, though, that's so different from our parents. He, he's like, come on. We're doing this together. This is love. I'm not holding anything back. It's an invitation. God's saying, hey, I have glued myself to Jesus. We, there's this interdependent, beautiful relationship. 
of love. And that's what fuels the work we do. That's what fuels the work we do. Not anything else. All of us experience the world through a filter. We all experience the world through the filter of our own experience, the way we've been loved, the way we've been cared for. And so many of us never get around to challenging the filter. We just assume that as God comes through the filter of our experience, we're like, well, that's who he is. God is distant. God is harsh. Well, the Bible's, Bible says, we want to know. The filter says. This is the hardest thing in our own development to learn is to check our filters. When I was in high school, I made the decision to drop out. I just, I was in a band, I had a girlfriend, and I was like, forget high school, I'm going to be a rock star and figure all this out. I dropped out, and I came home that night, and I was really anxious. What's dad going to say? I was, my mom was surprisingly like cool with it. She also like let me get my lip pierced. Dad didn't like the lip ring. What's dad going to say? And I remember he came home through the door. He sits down at the table. How was your day, son? Fine. Anything happen? I dropped out of school. And he went, okay. The look I saw on some of your faces was what happened in my heart. I was like, uh... I need you to care. I need you to be scared for me. If you're not scared for me, no one's scared for me. Oh no, I'm alone. Filter. Is God here for me when I'm suffering? Mm -mm. He doesn't care. Jesus and discipleship is changing filters. It's saying, hey, we all have these experiences. We've all not been loved the way that we needed to be loved. And Jesus shows up and offers us a different filter. He says, hey, I'm deeply loved by a father who's present. You're trying harder. Come over to our side. And we hear that through our filter. How do I know that? Because the fourth thing Jesus says, this will really give away what our filter is. The Father has entrusted Jesus to judge. Nothing will betray what your filter is like the fact that God judges. If we have been taught through our experience to fear authority, this is terrifying. If we have been taught that mom and dad are impossible to please and you just got to do whatever they say or they're going to get mad, now God is going to judge you. You thought mom and dad were scary. God's scary. Did anybody actually hear that as like a kid? You think I'm scary. Wait, I mean the guy upstairs. And you're like, ah. Jesus, as Jesus has the right to judge. And that naturally creates within us a sense of recoil, of moving away. Whoa. 
what are we doing here? What's this relationship? I thought you just said like we're moving from never enough to always loved. And now there's whole this talk about judging. Like what's happening? Our filters need checked. Because what's happening is that Jesus is offering us something better than the internet. We all live in a world where we get judged. And those judgments shape how we go through the world. Who are you going to trust to judge you, though? Jesus or the internet? So many of us alter our behavior for fear of the comments section. I'm going to do this. It's going to get misunderstood. I'm going to get accused of this. And there's just a lot of fear. Ah, I'm going to get judged. It also can work positively, too. A lot of us feel like our vacations were a success because they got a lot of likes. Here's the thing about the internet, though. We have no idea why they commented negatively or why they commented positively. No idea. It's a terrible metric for, like, deciding how we go through life. Those could be obligatory likes. Those of you, well, I just got to like this, so so-and-so likes me. Cool, your kids. woo And then we might be like, everybody loves pictures of my kids. We do. We do. Your kids are cuter than everybody else's. Judge, what it means to judge is to weigh and measure. That's the idea of judgment. Jesus tells the truth. He sees something and says what it is. That's the idea of judgment. That can be very scary because we know who we are and what we've done. And when we live from a willpower place, it's like, okay, I'll make it right though. I'll do it. What do you need to do? But listen, listen to the encouragement Jesus gives. It's at the end and it's in verse 30. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just. My judgment is just. The internet's judgment, not so just. Super random, sporadic. Why do we think the way we do? But Jesus doesn't judge from a place where he's flying off the rails like our parents. He's being righteous. You're not going to get punished for something someone else did. You're not going to have to answer for things that you didn't do or think. It's our lives that stand before the judge. And the filter that we experience that through is an invitation to love. When we stand before Jesus, he's going to put his arm around us and he's going to say, let's review the story of you. Oof. Ah. Hey. Yeah. And then he's going to say things like this. Enter into the joy of your master. I paid the price of admission. We don't get this relationship because we bought a ticket. Willpower tells us that. We're also not heading for like a, a, you know, you're standing at the gate and you get a password challenge. 
Have you heard that? People say, you know, when St. Peter is at the pearly gates, he's going to say, why should I let you in? You're like, oh, okay, got to get this answer right. But there's a relationship. And if there's been relationship, relationship continues. If there's been isolation, isolation continues. He's a just God. And at the end of the day, we all get what we want. Some of us don't want anything to do with this relationship. Some of us are like, I'm going to go it alone. People have let me down. God's going to let me down. And God invites. No, 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 no. This is who God really is. Will you check your filter? Will you move from never enough to always loved? Will you move? And people say, I don't want him. And God says, okay, I will honor that decision. But if there's love, if there's love, oh, the love grows and multiplies. And we see it as its fullness. That does create fear for a lot of us. But the invitation that Jesus is giving is, will you check your filter? Am I stirring up fear or am I inviting you into love? What do you hear me saying? Am I telling you to be afraid? Am I trying to be like, hey, Jesus is coming, look busy. Or am I saying, hey, this is the relationship, it's love. Step toward love. See, so many of us, we like keep we may put like 90% of our eggs in the, in the love and attachment basket, but we're going to keep 10% in the, I just, I just got to try. I got to go in alone. And Jesus is saying, hey, will you trust me? Jesus will go on to say in John chapter 15, you want to bear fruit? You want to see change? You want to see angry people go from angry to joyful? You want to see stingy people get generous? How do you do that? John chapter 15, abide in me and you will bear fruit. This attachment love is rocket fuel. When we're loved, we can, we can get so much more power to see the kingdom coming than if we were trying to do it on our own. Attachment love can help us survive situations. Remember Jesus like, hey, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to honor God here and you guys don't like it. I had that experience this week. Last week, I preached on conflict. And wouldn't you know the kind of week you have after you preach on conflict? I said the dumbest things last week. I'm like, we love conflict around here. We're not afraid. And then by Friday, I'm like, (laughs) I was just emotionally exhausted. So I go to my happy place, grocery store. And I'm like, I'm safe here. This is fine. There's nobody going to get mad at me here. This is great. Oh, we're get, oh, I can buy this? Yes. All right. Great. So I'm walking around the grocery store, conflict-free. Like, how much is cereal? Ten bucks a box. Holy cow. But conflict-free. Other than that, I get to the checkout line, and I go to the people because I am not paid by the grocery store to cash out my own groceries. Like, for real, folks, like, what's next? Are we going to get them off the truck, too? It's ridiculous. Like, so dumb, but that's not this. So I'm like, you know what? Um, This is great. Uh, There's a person here. Hooray. I get in line, and the the woman checking out is sweating, like, a lot. And she's walking around, like, kind of intently. And, you know, I'm fine. I'm in my happy place. I've got all the groceries on the thing. The kids are walking around. I'm just, like, hanging out. And she's like kind of tense and like the 20-something hippie 
that's like her bagger is like kind of nervous and she's running around and she's looking for a fan and she's really tense. I'm like, I got this, I got this. So she comes back to the, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, don't even worry about it, you know? You're a person, like those stupid self-checkouts, like I'm totally happy. And she goes, okay, good, good, good. I said, but you know what, you know what is annoying? It's like, you know, when people our age call us like sir or ma'am, like that's like kind of annoying, right? Because then it's like, oh gosh, how old am I? You know, I'm trying to like, it made sense in the moment to me. <laughs> what happened though? She's like, this isn't funny. I was like, Whoa, hello, hi. And she's like, I have high blood pressure and this isn't funny. And I'm just like, uh, you know what starts happening? I'm starting to feel sorry for myself. Are you kidding me, God? I can't even get away from any conflict. I'm just at the grocery store. I don't need this. I do not need, I was trying to help and it made it worse. I start asking her like, I'm just some kind of failure. I can't do anything. And so she's really tense. And I'm like, okay, I got skills. Here we go. I get in like, you know, my mode. I'm like, all right, you're totally right. Your health is number one. That's way more important than my groceries. Hippie bagger is like, actually, mental health is really important. I'm like, oh. You know what you just did to my mental health? And I'm just like, meanwhile, her manager's like, you know, super helpful. She's like, oh, you know, you could bring a fan from home and like walks away and I'm like, what? Why am I getting yelled at? Like, what? I'm like the most helpful person here. Sorry for myself. So she starts talking. She, I'm like, you are way more important than groceries. She says, yeah, but you know what happens if I die? They're just gonna get somebody else to check you out. You're right. And that's wrong. You're not a cog in a machine, and you matter. At that point, she kind of starts seeing that I'm not trying to fight her. We kind of attune a little bit. Jet comes up, he's got a Super Mario shirt on. She jokes about Mario. We connect. I even like made the other guy laugh. I leave, I go back to the car, and I'm just like, I'm done. I can't go anywhere, and just conflict everywhere. At the grocery store. I'm feeling sorry for myself, I'm spinning. I don't know my identity. Who am I? I'm just a failure. I can't do anything. Can't even grocery shop without conflict. Then what happens though? Attachment love knocks on my door. Amy says to me, you know, why did you talk to that lady? And my filter, I'm like, why did I talk to her? And she's like, no, no, that's not what I mean. 90% 90% of people would just smile and like, yeah, this is uncomfortable. But you're trying to help. Why? I was like, oh. God's calling on my life. I'm supposed to be a high joy person in a low joy environment. Oh, that's who I, identity. Oh, wait, he loves me even though I don't love these circ. Oh, whoa. And never enough calms. And always loved cranks up. And then what happens, it can only be the fruit of the Spirit of God. It's not me. I'm like, we're going back to that grocery store. 
and we're going to be high joy people there regardless. Willpower cannot do that. And the invitation today is will you just, just let it go? Just let it go. There's a better way. Abiding. Cultivating an identity that says I'm loved by Jesus. This is who I am. I belong. I'm a spiritual being made for connection with a bigger, infinite spiritual being. And he has said, he is love. Will we leave that which no longer serves us? God, give us the courage to leave never enough and chase after this attachment love that you give to us in unlimited supply. In Jesus' name. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.